Today is June 26, 2016. The title of today's message is From the Inside Out. From the Inside Out. Um, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to start off in Deuteronomy chapter 4. I learned, I learned something new this week and I'm excited to share it with you guys. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. Heard some of you are there. Is everybody else there? 4.1 Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws that I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. One of the revelations that our church has been, has been chewing on over the last few weeks is this, this idea that uh, on the day of Pentecost when the law was given... The Jews looked at it as a wedding ceremony. In our culture, we continue to look at the law as something that only brings death. We look at it as something harsh. We look at the law of the Lord and we say, look, in the Old Testament, it was, it was harsh and judgmental. In the New Testament, it's grace. As a church, we've been working for many years to understand that God has one unified set of scriptures that He's given us. There's an Older Testament and a new, Newer Testament but the same God who worked in the older is working in the newer. Amen? Amen. To look at it as the Old Testament, the Older Testament is judgment, mistakes a lot of what God does in the Older Testament. How much mercy and how much grace He constantly poured out upon His people. That the law that He gave was supposed to be so that we would understand what He likes. Just like a husband and a wife, there are things that we don't do in our house just because I don't like it. There are things that we do just because I prefer it. We love each other as a husband and wife, so those things, we know those about each other. So the Lord is saying, He said, hey, these are the things that I don't want you to do. These are the things that I want you to do because it pleases God. So He lets us know that information. He doesn't hide it from us. He doesn't make it difficult on us. So He says, hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them. Why? Why does He say to follow them? So that you may live and may go in and take possession. I've got a lot of great things for you. I've got a lot of great things for you. So I want you to do this so that I can bless you entirely with what I've prepared for you. <laughs> it's like a parent and you're ready for a birthday or a Christmas and you've, you've purchased the perfect gift. Well, you're hoping that your kid isn't, you know, that they're not being so bad right before you give it to them that you feel bad about giving it or you, you withhold it from them. God is saying, I want you to do it right. I want you to do it right. I've given it to you. I've spelled it out for you, for your benefit. Turn a few pages to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 17. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees He has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Why? So that He can... Gloat over you? No, so that it may go well with you. <laughs> it's to your benefit to do exactly what God says. And you may go in and take over the good land that God promised on oath to give your forefathers. Thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6. A walking through Deuteronomy, right? Deuteronomy, the second giving. It's a recap of what everything that he's already been talking about, everything that's been going on. Deuteronomy 8, 6. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and revering Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. He's giving them every resource that they could possibly have. Does this sound like it's a God full of judgment? Sounds like He's telling them exactly what He wants from them. Deuteronomy 11. Uh, Pastor, I think we're getting the idea. Well, let's see. 11, verse 27. Uh, let's go to verse 26. I'm sorry. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. <laughs> a 
The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. Again, I'm sorry to use a parental reference here. I don't know if you've ever done this, but in my household we've done this. Here are your choices. You will either do this or you will be punished. That's the way it's worked in my house. And, and my son who's back there working the camera, Gabriel, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Sometimes I feel bad for my kids because they are the example, right? Our life is the example. We're on display before everyone. <laughs> Speaking as one who's been there a lot longer than mine. I remember when he was little, three, four years old, and he would stand there and there would be a choice. Do not do that, son. I would look at him, caught him before he did it. And I'd say, do not do that. And he would stand there and he would just start, he would literally clench his fists and just start shaking. Why? Because he wanted to do it so stinking bad. If you do that, you're going to be punished. It was the first time that I ever saw with my own eyes in such a way the struggle that we have between doing what's right, a godly nature, and a sinful nature. He heard the, the will of his father, and he was really trying to figure it out. You know, if he spanks me, is it worth it? <laughs> he was trying to figure it out, and I was going to make sure, since he had all that time, that it was not going to be worth it. I was going to make sure that he understood if he made the wrong choice that it was going to cost him. This is exactly what God's doing. I'm setting before you a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God. A curse if you don't. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's start in verse 9. Deuteronomy 28, 9. It says this, The Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, and the land He swore to your forefathers to give. Over and over And over again, the Lord keeps laying it out. For obedience, there's a blessing. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 56. These are the words of Solomon. says this, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel just as He promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises He gave through His servant Moses. Can you guys take a look at that for a second? Make sure you're either following along on the screen or in your Bible. Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel just as He promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises He gave through His servant Moses. Our society is guilty of presuming that our God is not able to keep His Word. Our churches are guilty of making an unspoken presumption that God cannot do actually what He said He was going to do. Worst of all, sometimes in our lives, we actually follow along with that line of thinking. That God somehow, I know that God's going to do it for you, but somehow I am the exception. Pastor, you don't understand. If only you understood. You you don't know my background. You don't know where I came from. You don't know what I've done. So I'm supposed to presume that the Word of God will work in 99% of the cases, but in your case, you're the exception. I'm not at liberty to do that and neither are you. If it feels difficult, if it feels different than that, I encourage you to look at His Word and see exactly what it says. Not one word that the Lord promises will fail to happen. Not one word. Not one bit of what He promises. 
May the Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. May He never leave us nor forsake us. Wow. May He turn our hearts to Him to walk in all His ways and to keep His commands, decrees, and regulations He gave our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that He may uphold the cause of His servant and the cause of His people Israel according to each day's need. You guys hearing a lot of echoes of, of a lot of other teachings, the Sabbath teaching, the manna that they would have to go out and get every day, the history of the Israelites. You're hearing hints. He's really summarizing a lot of what, who, these, who they are as a people. Verse 60, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. But your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by His decrees and obey His commands as at this time. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 19. And I want to encourage us to press in today. I hear that at prison there were some difficulties during some of the, in some of the pods as they were going through. Some of the guards were coming in and randomly giving meds to the inmates as people were preaching and, and worshiping. You know what happened? The Lord was faithful and He came through and met their need. Whether we have folks outside that are doing lawn on a Sunday, working on the lawn right behind us, or our soundboard that has never done this but freezes up in the middle, so much so that our sound people cannot turn anything up or down. Amen. These kind of days actually excite me. I get to show God if I really love Him or if I'm about the comfort of, of having the predictability of what's going on. Makes me want to worship Him harder. Makes me want to go after Him more. Makes me want to encourage you that we not get distracted because there's an enemy here that would love to try to steal the seed, the Word of God that's being, trying to be planted in your heart. If we can get it and some type of bird can come and steal it away, some type of distraction, you know what happens? That seed never takes root in you. I want to encourage you. This is not me reprimanding. It's me encouraging you. Praise God. This must be an incredible day in the Lord. Because the enemy is literally trying to throw the most random things at us to see if he can have a little fox that will spoil the vine of what God's trying to do in your life. Amen. Y'all with me? Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is... All right. It's okay. You weren't ready for that. It's all right. We'll do it again. Take two. The law of the Lord is? Perfect. It revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are? The statutes of the Lord are? Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are? Not some of the time. All the time they're right. They give joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are? They're radiant. They're filled with light. They give light to your eyes. The fear of the Lord is? And it endures forever. This is what we are looking at. God's commands. In the the Older Testament, the Jews look at it and say that they were given 613 mitzvahs or commands. If you're familiar with the term bar mitzvah, means a son of the commands. Or bat mitzvah. Either young boys or young ladies when they get out about the age 13. They become sons of the commands. So there's 613. This is the part that I learned this week. I'm excited to share it with you. There are 248 positive mitzvahs. 248. Everybody say 248. 248. Positive mitzvahs. There are 365, everybody say 365, 365. that are prohibitions. 248 say, do this, do this. There are 365 that say, don't do this. Okay? And here's the part that I learned. According to the Hebrew culture, there are 248 limbs that a human body possesses. 248 limbs. Not just bones, and sometimes it's multiple bones because they classify it by which 
uh, parts cause movement, which parts have muscle and sinew attached. So from the ancient of days, they've had 248 limbs, 248 parts of the body. And they have had 365 muscles and sinews. So, so wait, what, what are you saying? I'm saying that as we obey the word of the Lord, you know what happens? It's almost like he's rebuilding us as a human being. It's almost like what he tells us to do or what he tells us not to do. You know what it starts to do in us? It starts to remake us. Bone by bone, muscle by muscle, sinew by sinew. You know what happens? You get regenerated. You get remade that you're an old creature to start with, but there's something that's being made new when you follow this word. When you don't follow the word, what happens? You are not being regenerated. No matter how, quote unquote, good you are. As a matter of fact, the only way that we can figure out what good is, is through this. That's the only way. We are not the standard. This is. It's almost like God had a blueprint in the heavens and he said, this is what I want you to do. You think it's random that he gave 613 or did he have 613 in mind beforehand? You think it was random that he did 248 things that are positive? Telling us what to do? Or do you think that he had it in his heart from before the foundation of the world? You know what else I found out? There's a new theory. uh, A new theory. I, I read an article from 2007. So as far as theories of the world go, I'm calling that one new. There have been string theory that that scientists have been working on. And I can assure you I'm not going to go into this because this is way over my head. But there's a theory that they talk about. And it's, it's, in in layman's terms, they're trying to get a theory for everything. They're trying to get a theory that that kind of boils the whole universe down to something understandable. Something that we as humans can get our arms around. Get our brains that we can kind of devour. It's an E8 theory. The theory of everything. And you know what they're saying? In this theory, they didn't know what I just told you about the mitzvahs, but according to this theory, there are 248 basic elemental forces in the universe. 248 elemental elements that are, that are there. Huh. If they are right, would not surprise me at all. Because what they're doing is they're saying, oh, God has it where there are 248 things that we are supposed to do. There are 365. I wonder where else that number comes in. Well, things that we're not supposed to do. Everybody turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Did you guys know about the 248 and the 365? I didn't. It was brand new to me. That's why I'm like, yay, let me share. Get all geeked out. Psalm 139. It's not that hard for me to do, right? Verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. I am so thankful that I have a God who knows me. Goodness gracious. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh, Lord. Uh, My wife and I, in January, we're going to be married for 20 years. Yeah. We've known each other since we were 12. We did not get married at 12, in case you misinterpreted that. We, knew, we met in a church service when we were 12. We've known each other for a whole lot of years. <laughs> you know, it is possible for my wife to look at me and go, Hey, you, you know the guy who was wearing the thing with, with the person? And I know exactly who she's talking about. <laughs> hey, the, um, the, the other day, yes, you talked to Nick and he said this. That's exactly what I was talking about. We have our own shorthand uh, language that we sometimes get into as a husband and wife. I'm sure many of you have that. Uh, I've heard that twins have a lot of that going on, right? Look at this in verse 4. Before a word is on my tongue... You know it completely. Does that bring you comfort or not? A, it makes me want to be careful what word is on my tongue because he already knows it. 
But B, it gives me great comfort and great delight that the God, my God knows me that well. He knows me. He understands who I am. Look in verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's almost like he put the 248 things inside of me that I needed as limbs. He put the 365 muscles and sinews in there to help me to do exactly what he's called me to do. Down to the smallest detail, down to the the most minute of information, he has planted it within me. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I could sound arrogant unless you understand that you're not talking about you. You're talking about how great your God is. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Our God knows us and He's forming us. He's given us His Word and His Spirit to form us and shape us. Turn to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. How many of you have ever had any anxious thoughts? How many of you had anxious thoughts this week? Okay. He understands. When we're saying, Lord, test me and know me, We're saying, Lord, we invite you to come and continue to mold us to what we're supposed to be. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Susan, can we do that video? I want you guys to see this. Some of you may have, um, this is some recent, um, so what this is, is a picture. They've actually caught a picture of when an egg and a sperm connect. And this is what it looks like. There's actually a spark of light that happens when the egg and the sperm unite. And here's a a more detailed picture. (laughs) Just a quick video. They just found this. This has been within the last few months that this picture, that this video has been available I think it was a Northwestern University, maybe. Turn to John chapter 1, just for a second. Let's start in verse 1. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. We talk a lot of things in our culture about when life begins. We literally have the flash of light that you can see. And the Bible says that in Him was life, and that life is the light of all men. What an incredible thing to know that God who's fearfully and wonderfully creating us and molding us, you should be encouraged in your walk. Did you hear the words that were given today? That the difficulties that you're under, maybe God is putting you in those difficulties to remake who you are. He is reforming who you are. He is reworking it so that the 248 positives and the 365 prohibitions are at work in your life. That there's nothing that you lack. What part of your body are you willing to part with? Are there some that you could part with and maybe survive? Well, sure. I'm just not particularly looking forward to giving up anything that I have. Because God created me to have it. Likewise, spiritually, I don't want to have anything lacking that God has said, here it is for you. This is wholeness. This is wellness. Why? So that you can go in and take possession of the land that I'm freely giving to you. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 1. We're going to go law, prophet, writings here. Exodus chapter 1. Verse 19. 
<clears throat> I've been thinking about this concept this week um, of the afterlife. Uh, Nick did an incredible teaching on Friday night about judgment. It was fantastic. Uh, the week before that, Judah did a teaching on resurrection, so I've been, ta- I've been thinking about these things. We call it the afterlife, which means what? It means that this is life, according to this term, that this is life and there's something thereafter that we're not quite sure about. I'm not sure that that's really the right way to think about it. I think this is the way that the Jews say it, um, is Ola, olam, ha, olam Haba, which means the world to come. It's the idea that there's a whole other world to come. What if we start thinking about this life, what if we were to think about it as being birthed inside of a mother's womb? What if we thought about it that the flash of light came into our life and we became alive and this life, it does have consequences for later on. But this is, there's a gestation period, there's a birthing process that's going on. And you know what God's doing during the birthing process? He's putting the right things together in the right order. He's causing you to be formed. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 19. Uh, Let's go to 15 so it helps with the story there. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. Something about the enemy that's always trying to kill what God is trying to birth. Always. That's always the case. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Wow. Standing up to the king. that They should have lost their lives for this. But they were standing for what was right. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? I love their answer. The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women? Eh, they're not like Egyptian women. <laughs> they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. <laughs> Amen! Aren't we supposed to be like that, though, with what God is doing in us? Shouldn't we be the ones that are vigorous and make sure that the, that the dreams, that the visions, that the accomplishments that God has for us, they're going to come to life through us? Yes. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, He gave them families of their own. Amen. Turn to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22. Starting in verse 6. Psalm 22, 6. By the way, just a little note. As you're reading in the book of Psalms, it's just a great idea to figure out who was writing the psalm and what they were writing it about. Let me encourage you not to forget that little nugget because sometimes it really, really helps you understand what's going on. This one's from the director of music to the tune of The Doe of the Morning. I don't know what that tune is, but I'm sure it's beautiful. A psalm of David. This is also a messianic psalm. Verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, (laughs) since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one who can help. Look down in verse 17. I can count all of my bones. I can count all of my bones. What if here there's a veiled reference to what the Jews understood? Obviously, there's, a, there's a, an agony of what Jesus is going through on the cross that's listed here. It's obviously referring to that. Without question, I can count all of the mitzvahs that I'm supposed to do. 
What if everything about our lives, even in the struggle, what we heard today through the words of prophecy, they say, especially when it's tough, especially when there's tribulation and trials, we are to count it pure joy. We are to go towards that because we're going to allow it. We're going to understand and calculate the fact of what God is doing in our life because it's supposed to give us hope. People stare and gloat over me. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This psalm has been resonating. I've heard it in different places from different people, different verses, recently in our church. When I hear that, it makes me want to pay more attention to it. Because God is trying to use Psalm 51, amongst other passages, to help instruct this body of believers. How many of you heard Psalm 51 not from this pulpit in the last few weeks? Heard it in Montrose. I've heard it in different places. The Bible studies that go on. Heard people just expressing it out of their heart. On the way to prison this morning, in the car, two separate cars, guys going into prison, girls going into prison, they read through Psalm 51. Good to know. It's almost like God is trying to tell us something. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. How many of you have wanted to say that recently? Just have mercy on me, Lord. Goodness gracious, could you, could you help me? Wow. feel like my, my sins are stacked, stacked up way high. Lord, would you have mercy upon me? Would you blot out my transgressions according to your great compassion? Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can get the nugget that is right here. Against you and you only, mighty God, have I sinned. Um, people, we have laws that we don't, uh, that some that we pay attention to and some that we don't, right? I was talking to uh, Grant. We have our nephew, my nephew's here with us for a couple of weeks. We're talking about copyright laws last night. Yeah, people don't worry about that one. That didn't really hurt anybody. I'm not making a point about copyright. I'm showing that our heart likes to dismiss certain things. We like to dismiss it if we just don't value it. Here it says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proven right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom, where? In the inmost place. From the inside out is the way that God is always trying to refine us. From the time that we are conceived, and there's the gestation period, and then birth, it's from the inside out out that we are supposed to live. It's always been that way. And it will always be that way. If you are one that is given to thinking that you can think your way into more Christianity, let me encourage you. It's not a great way to do it. You have to have the Spirit of God alive in you. If you're one of the ones that think you're going to emote your way to being more Christ-like, it's got to be from down on the inside of us in our spirit where we let Him talk to us and cause that power to start working outward from us. It goes on the inside first and it works its way out. We are changed from the inside out. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Are you hearing there are more places for the commands and the mitzvahs than maybe we thought? Let the way that I want to do things, the way I want to do it, my bones, I want to reach out and do it my way. Let those things be crushed. Lord, would you allow your truth to come in? (laughs) Would you transplant your life into this life? Would you help me, Lord, to do it the way that you intended for me to do it? Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 66. Is this making sense to you this morning? Isaiah chapter 66. And let's start in verse 7. Isaiah 66 and 7. It says this, Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day? Or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Uh, You know what happened to the nation of Israel? They were born in a day. They were brought forth in a moment. Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Have you guys ever heard the term overnight success? An overnight success, right? So the nation of Israel was born in a day. But did their preparation happen overnight? I can assure you there are no shortcuts to greatness in the kingdom. There's no way that you can skip the developmental process. What happens in the natural? And and I want to be careful talking about this much because I want this entire word to be an encouragement and a challenge to you today. I realize that there are some in here who've had difficulty getting pregnant and having children. I realize that there are some who have lost children. I understand that. Please, Please stay with me on what I'm doing here. We love you and we know that God is a great and a compassionate God. Because this is good for us to think through. You cannot have... The average gestation of a human being is what? 40 weeks. Somewhere in that 37 to 42, right? A normal span of time. That's 266 days is the average, by the way. You know what the normal gestation period for a chipmunk is? 31 days. Some of us want to be chipmunks. We want God to say something. We want the flash of light for our dreams and our hopes and our visions. And 31 days later, ready to roll. Okay, maybe so is is not as much we as it is me. Goodness gracious, I don't want a very long gestation period. I want this thing, you said it, let's do it. A bear, 225 days. A horse, 335 days. Goodness gracious, all the women in the room are like, look, you need to stop. (laughs) This is not a good conversation to have. An elephant, 645 days. But you've got some different requirements on each of these animals, don't you? A horse at 335 days of gestation. What happens a few minutes after they're born? They stand up and they start running. It's different requirements on on these animals. There's different requirements on us. You cannot shortcut what God is doing in your life. The more you try to shortcut it, somewhere before 37 weeks is when most uh, medical professionals say that your baby is preterm. It's a premature birth. There are things that aren't quite finished baking in there for most people until after the 37th week. Guys, let's not shortcut what God is doing in our life. Let's not decide that we know the exact gestation period for our own life and for our own plans and for our own vision. How about we presume that God has it exactly where it needs to be and that when the time is right, And when the environment is right, and when the mother is right, then the birth will happen and there will be a healthy child. The video that I showed, by the way, they're trying, they're already supposing that the brighter the light, the more healthy the child. You're looking at things under a super microscope, and they're already saying, Some of these are brighter than others. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder what God is doing in you. 
I used to, be, uh, used to be a music teacher. And so I'd work with students on, you know, I was a band director, so I taught them all the musical instruments, taught everybody their instrument, taught them how to, everything to, from how to put it together to sound like the most professional person that I could get them to sound like. Taught them how to read music, taught them how to count rhythms. We did all these things every day. One of the things that I started calling it in my teaching was that they had to play the rest. They had to play the rest. Because when they would look at it, the word says rest. So they'd go. They would turn their brain off, especially if it was more than a count or two. Turn the brain off and hope that I would point at them or look at them, give them a heads up. You ready? Here it comes. All right, go. So I started saying that they had to play the rest or they had to play the silence. An effective music teacher will teach you not only how to make the sound when it starts, but I also have to teach you when it stops. I also have to teach you how to handle the break because not every instrument plays all the time. You cannot play every note. You cannot play every note of every song. That's not a band. I had to teach them how to be silent well. Maybe that's what God is using the difficulties in our life doing is, look, you know what? I need you to learn how to handle this silence just as much as I need you to handle when something is being played. God, where are you? God, why haven't you talked to me recently? God, why are you? Why, oh God, have you forsaken me? Maybe you just need to learn how to play the silence a little bit. Maybe that's exactly... Maybe that's exactly what needs to go on because it's for your good. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 6. Is everybody there? Famous passage where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Verse 6 says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. (laughs) You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit, where your bones, your muscles, and your sinews are being recreated according to the heavenly blueprint. Turn to John chapter 16, verse 21. John 16 and verse 21. Say there when you're there. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. <laughs> Natalie says amen. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish. Why? Because of the joy that a child is born into the world. <laughs> Weeping may last for the night, but what happens? Joy comes in the morning. Be encouraged that your situation that you're in is because God is trying to birth something in you. God is trying to birth something through you that His works are righteous. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29. This was something that I wanted to add to our discussion here. Exodus 29. This is the consecration of the priests. And I want you to notice something. Exodus 29 and verse 10. Bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it in the Lord's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour the rest of it at the base of the altar. Then take all the fat around the inner parts, the covering of the liver and both kidneys with the fat on them, and burn them on the altar. But burn the bull's flesh and its hide and its offal outside the camp. It is a sin offering. 
Look at the next verse. Take one of the rams, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on its head. Very similar process. Slaughter it and take the blood and sprinkle it against the altar on all sides. Got to do this right. You got to get all the way around this altar. Cut the ram into pieces, and look at this, and wash the inner parts and the legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire. Look at this in verse 17. Cut the ram into pieces and wash the inner parts. Why do you have to wash something before you're about to throw it on the fire? You have to wash the inner parts before you can sacrifice it to the Lord. We have to wash our inner parts before we can offer it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. I've seen a lot of smiling. I'm presuming this is something else that was talked about either in the car this morning or... You have to wash those inner parts. The same parts that are fearfully and wonderfully made have to be cleansed before the Lord with the express purpose that you're going to turn around and sacrifice it to Him. We've got to wash our lives before the Lord and we know that we're about to lay down on the fire. It's worth it because this is what He has prescribed. This is what helps us to have every, every one of our limbs and every one of our muscles and every one of our sinews regenerated. You guys know that that's already the way that our bodies work if you think about it? Our cells regenerate, don't they? I'm the same person I've always been. Well, technically you're not. True, right? There's a lot of you guys who are so much smarter than I am. Science says that your cells will die and they regenerate. So technically, this group of cells, not the same ones from when I was a kid. God is always trying to remake us. He is always trying to renew us. He is always trying to get those other things that we want to hold on to. And He's like, yeah, that's not good enough for you anymore. This is a new day. You've got to get the manna. You've got to walk out every day and get the manna. And on the day before the Sabbath, you get to get two days worth and it won't spoil. A miracle every week in your life. We've got to be renewed. Renewed. We must be renewed. must be transformed by the what? Renewing of our minds. You know one of the only cells that doesn't regenerate? Our brain. Maybe that's why he says you need to renew your mind. It doesn't happen on its own. You, will, you might be able to lose brain cells on your own, but you cannot regenerate them. There are some things in our body that don't regenerate. I told you all I was a music teacher. I, I figured out way too late as a music teacher that I should wear earplugs. Because your hearing is one of those things that doesn't regenerate. It just degrades over time. Be careful that your hearing of the Lord is not degrading over time. You must protect it from the first moment. You must listen for Him and listen intently so that you can hear and respond to what He's saying. It doesn't just get better. Actually, it gets worse. My kids are already experiencing that with me because of my teaching music. I'm 41, but I don't have a hearing of a 41-year-old. I didn't know. They didn't teach me that. I figured it out a little late. We must be renewed. Turn to Leviticus chapter 1. You've got to wash the inner part so that you can lay it down before the Lord. Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 9. That was for the Levites. That was what they were to do to get anointed and appointed in their position. But here in Leviticus, we see that the burnt offering... He is to wash Aaron and his sons. He is to wash the inner parts and the legs with water. And the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. You cannot leave anything back. You know, one of the things that Moses said to Pharaoh, he was like, yeah, you can go, but leave your animals here. He kept trying to separate Moses from something. You go, but leave the women and children. Nope. You go, but leave the animals behind. Nope. Not a hoof. That's the phrase. Not a hoof will be left behind. There's not one part of us that's supposed to be left behind that we don't offer on the altar before the Lord. Look at verse 13. He is to wash the inner parts and legs with water and the priest is to bring 
all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. When you allow your entire life to be consumed with His fire, you become pleasing to Him. He sees that he's, he's got something that he can work with. Turn to Esther. Turn to Esther. Chapter 4. Look at verse 9. Esther chapter 4, verse 9. Hathach went back and reported to Esther where Mordecai had said, what he had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to allow them to be in his presence. The idea here is that the inner court, there's an inner place. I never really thought about this until today, that Esther had to go in to an an inner place to be able to meet with the king. That's where the king was, was in this inner court, the inner place, somewhere that was deep and had some requirements to get there. Take a look at Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8. Look at verse 3. He stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. Can you see this? This is is an interesting vision that he's he's having with the Lord, right? He sees this big hand come out of the sky, (laughs) come out from somewhere and grab him by his hair. And take him and move him and took me by the hair of my head. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. And in visions of God, he took me to Jerusalem, to the entrance to the north gate of the inner court, where the idol that provokes jealousy, provokes to jealousy, stood. Look in verse 7. Then he brought me to the entrance to the court. I looked and I saw a hole in the wall. He said to me, Son of man, now dig into the wall. So I dug into the wall and saw a doorway there. What he's doing is Ezekiel is, God is taking him to the inner courts and he's allowing him to see what the people are doing. And what they're doing is displeasing to the Lord. He keeps saying, hey, take a look at this. But where he's standing is right at the entrance to the inner court. Where he's standing is right there. And God's saying, from this perspective, you can see. From this perspective, you can understand what the people around you are doing. From here, in the inner court, right where I am, that's the perspective that I want you to have. From the inside out is what we have to be looking at. Look at verse 12. Um, He said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness? each at the shrine of his own idol. They say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken his land. And again, he said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable. It also says that these men had their back. They had their back to where the inner court was. They were doing things and they had turned their back on that innermost part. They looked away from where God really was, from that inner place. They stopped worrying about living from the inside out and they just turned their back on it and started doing what they wanted to do. This is an important principle that God is teaching us today. Turn to Luke chapter 12. We've now gone through the law and the prophet and the writings and now we're going to take a look at the New Testament in a similar structure. Luke 12. Are you all with me today? Okay. Luke 12, verse 1, says this. Luke 12, 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, 
<laughs> Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Where the inner court of your life, where the inner parts of your life don't match what's going on on the outside. Hypocrisy. What I'm saying on the inside is not matching what I'm saying on the outside. What I'm feeling on the inside is not what I'm projecting on the outside. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Wow. Or hidden that will not be made known. How would you like that today? How is your walk with the Lord? If we said that today, today is the day of reckoning, all of us, every deed. The Bible says that nothing will be hidden, but it will all be disclosed. How would you do today? having everything exposed before the Lord. If you have in your mind things that you would want to run and uh, take care of before that moment came, please don't make me first in line. But put me at the back of the line. Maybe I'll be okay by the time I get to the front. Why would you want to live like that? I said something in Nolan and Tara's wedding that I had never thought about until the moment that I said it. And it blessed me. I don't know if it blessed you, but it blessed me. I'm standing, literally, I'm standing right here watching two of my friends get married. An incredible time. And it struck me that this moment, that that moment right there should be the least that they will ever love each other going forward. Because their love should continue to grow and grow and grow. Your walk with the Lord should continue to mature each and every day. And if it's not, then you are not allowing His mitzvahs. You're not allowing the 248 things that He's told us to do and the 365 things that He's prohibited us to do. You're not, in, uh, not allowing that to work in you in the right way. You're turning your back on some of those inner things and you're saying, I got it, I look good, right? I mean, as long as I look good here, as long as I got it good here, God's saying, don't be full of hypocrisy because it's going to be exposed anyway. We learned on Friday night, we would rather judge ourselves and have God judge us now. Why? So that we can stand free from accusation before Him. Amen. So that we can enter and say, Lord, the judging has been done. We've allowed ourselves the struggle here so that we can, when the real birth comes, not the afterlife, but the real life, when we wake up from our dream and actually start living, then we've done what's necessary to make you happy with us for the rest of eternity so that we can rule and reign with you. This is the real deal, folks. Verse 3, What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I have to tell you a little, a little secret that I have. I, I have this phobia. When I'm wearing this microphone, I have this irrational fear that I'm going to forget and I'm going to leave it on and like talk to somebody. Or have to go to the restroom. And I'll forget and it'll be on. I turn it off. I unplug it. I take batteries out. It's ridiculous. If I turn it off, that takes care of it, right? But somehow it's going to magically come back on. Because I don't want things that are said and other places to become public. Rest assured, that will happen to all of us though. What we say in the dark will be exposed, so let's make sure that what we're saying, what we're whispering is, hey brother, you can do it. Let's be holy. Let's be righteous. Let's do exactly what God tells us to do. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians 3.16 I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love being established, being formed being made in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is the design of God that each of us be filled, be filled to the fullness of His measure. I love that phrase in verse 16. That He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Folks, I know that there are some of us in the room who have had some difficulties lately. You've been going through some struggles. You've been discouraged in some areas that there's just no way around it. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That as you keep His instructions, that as you do what He tells you to do, even when it hurts, that He will strengthen you. That He will reform you. That He will cause you to be something otherwise unknown in your life. He will reform you. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. Hebrews 6.18 God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Somebody say greatly encouraged. encouraged. This is what we're trying to get to here. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inter-sanctuary Behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The inner places matter, folks. Where He formed you, it absolutely matters. What's going on in the inner places, it absolutely matters. Revelation 22. Revelation 22 and verse 12. Says this. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. If you've been at this church very long, you know that that's, we teach that often. It's not only according to what you believe. We believe that we know that your beliefs will cause you to act a certain way. You'll be recorded, uh, awarded. according to what you have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, who have taken care of the inner parts of their life, who have the righteous deeds of the saints, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. One last scripture. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. If nothing else... Today you can say that we've covered a lot of scriptures that help to encourage us in exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? Yeah. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 and 27. 36, verse 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you down in the inner parts of you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. Didn't he just say that? I think he just said that. And he's going to say it again. You know what's going to happen? He's going to say it again. I will put my spirit in you. I want it, down, I want it to get down on the inside of you and move you to follow my decrees. How are we going to do what we're supposed to do? How can we carry out the mitzvahs? How can we carry out God's instructions? We have to have God's Spirit within us. Interesting thing I learned. Abram became Abraham. Yes, his name was changed. When you look, uh, the Hebrew language, the letters have sounds, they have meanings, they also have numbers attached to it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on numbers, so if you're not a numbers person, hang with me. Abram, the number for Abram that's associated with his name is 243. 243, Abram. 
When he became Abraham, the number of his name became 248. The Jews look at Abraham and they say that God breathed on him and allowed him to do everything that he was supposed to do. But he wasn't able to do that until the letter that represents the very spirit and revelation of God came into him. God had to rename him. He was not enough. Even the great Abraham, Abram was not enough on his own. He needed the Spirit of God to come into him and give him a new heart so that he could follow and do exactly what God told him to do and to not do the things that God prohibited him to do. Come on now. How about you? How about me? How are you doing on everything, every small little part of what God has told you to do? How are you doing on that today? Are you able to say, I can do all 248? By the way, I'm not really worried that there's a particular list. The concept is, am I doing everything that God has told me to do? Am I staying away from the things that God told me to stay away from? Am I keeping my hands clean? Am I keeping my heart pure so that I will not lift my soul to someone else? I will not let the inner parts of me reach out and cry out for something else to come in and save me? Do you think you need a better job so that I can come in and save you? Are you crying out to Him? Are you allowing the circumstances, the words that came forth this morning during the worship time? It's like life from the dead. The struggles that we are going through, the difficulties that we're in, it's for your good. It's like He's doing surgery on who you are and reforming you into exactly what you're supposed to be. Would you stand to your feet with me?